Thank you for listening to A Message of Grace. This podcast was recorded live on August 12, 2018. Today, guest pastor Dr. David Saudi explores the parallels between the story of David and Absalom, the television series Game of Thrones, and today's world. He asks, Are the victims of war only the obvious ones? Are David and Absalom metaphors for our relationship with God? Let's listen. The Lord be with you. It's good to be with you again. Our theme today has to do with God being our Father who cries over His children. Have you ever cried over your children? Yes. (laughs) That was rather (laughs) sweeping, of course. Sometimes we cry over the decisions our children make over the choices they make, sometimes the actions they take. Sometimes, though, we also cry tears of joy, joy at weddings and grads and accomplishments. It's natural for parents to cry for their children. Sometimes people describe God as an angry, vengeful God who wants to punish Today we have a different image, a God who cries. This is a God of inconsolable grief, but incomparable grace. We'll talk about that more. Introducing the first reading, you'll note that it's a reading from 2 Samuel and it makes several jumps in a story. I'll expand upon that lesson in our reflection time. As you listen now, pay attention to this last line. Consider this. Absalom is David's son. Absalom has raised a great army to overthrow his father's throne and take his own place as ruler of the people of Israel. Yet after the battle, the king is not angry. He weeps for his son. He had tried to provide for his safety, but now he is dead. And David wishes he himself could have died instead. A strange attachment for a king betrayed. However, in the light of Christ, who died instead for us, perhaps not. A reading from 2 Samuel, 18th chapter. King David ordered Joab and Abishiah and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when when the king gave orders to all the commanders concerning Absalom. So the army went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. The men of Israel were defeated there by the servants of David, And the slaughter there was great that day, 20,000 men. The battle spread over the face of all the country, and the forest claimed more victims that day than the sword. Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak. His head caught fast in the oak, and he was left hanging between heaven and earth while the mule that was under him went on. And ten young men 
Joab's armor-bearers surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. Then the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, Good tidings for my lord the king, for the Lord has vindicated you this day, delivering you from the power of all who rose up against you. The king said to the Cushite, Is it well with the young man Absalom? The Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up to do you harm be like that young man. The king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Introducing the reading from Ephesians. Have you ever lost your temper and said some things you wish you had not? Have you ever spread some gossip about someone, believing it was true, but knowing it was also harmful? Someone once cautioned me to consider what I was about to say by asking myself, is it kind, is it true, and is it helpful? If not, bite your tongue. Such good advice comes from this passage. Listen closely. Reading from Ephesians, fourth chapter. So then put away falsehood. Let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you are marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you therefore be imitators be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Introducing the Gospel reading. When the Hebrew people wandered the wilderness after escaping Egypt, they grew hungry and complained to God. God responded by providing bread in the morning. They awoke to a new day looking out of their tents and asked, What is that? What is that? That's what manna means. They gathered the what is that, and they were satisfied. Today we gather and break bread, and we still wonder, what is that? This bread we receive is the bread of life, the body of Christ, the bread from heaven. Can we explain it? No. We simply eat. 
and we simply live. The gospel this day is from the gospel of John, chapter 6, beginning at verse 35. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him, and because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven, they were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. How many of you follow Game of Thrones? Not that many. Okay, that surprises me a little. This is the Game of Thrones Hebrew style. Our lesson begins much later in the saga. We need to understand a bit of the backstory because this lesson skips some key points. Many years before this lesson, Amnon, one of David's sons, raped his half-sister Tamar. David was angry at this, but he refused to punish Amnon. Absalom, Tamar's brother and Amnon's brother, thinks his father is weak and conspired to kill Amnon in revenge. Absalom then fled. We read that King David grieved the death of his son Amnon, but he also longed for the return of Absalom, his other son. Meanwhile, Absalom, even at a distance, has appointed himself as a judge over the affairs of David's people. Absalom wins their hearts by his decisions. Absalom conspires with leaders from all the tribes of Israel to raise an army and overthrow David. David flees for his own safety, leaving ten concubines behind to look after his house. Absalom takes over this house and rapes the ten women, further demonstrating his power and authority as an enemy of David and strengthening his image as a new leader among the people. There are several more subplots with further conspiracies and councils and stra strategic manipulations, hence my idea this is the Game of Thrones. But the main story continues as we have it. There comes a time for a showdown. David wants to be part of the battle, leading his people himself against his own son and the conspirators. But David is counseled not to be so involved, not at the front line. If his leaders die, what is that? But if David himself dies, it is like the loss of 10,000 men. David would be more beneficial managing the resources behind the line, so David stays. 
As the battle is about to begin, David orders his generals, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And word of those instructions went out among all the people. What does deal gently mean? Let Absalom escape? Kill him quickly and painlessly? Or protect him at all costs? It's that last understanding that will win the day. 20,000 of Absalom's men die in battle. It's a rout. Absalom flees the battle, attempting to escape through the forest. There's a strange line in the story. The The forest claimed more victims that day than the sword. Are the combatants victims? The line in its simplicity suggests a deeper complexity. Absalom becomes caught in a tree. Earlier we read Absalom had this fantastic head of hair. And I can remember a picture in Sunday school of him hanging by his hair. He's left hanging there halfway between heaven and earth. The soldier who finds him leaves him there briefly and advises Joab the general. Joab is incensed. Why didn't you strike him right there? I would have rewarded you well. But the soldier replies, I would not have harmed the king's son for all the money in the world. I heard about the king's order that his son was to be protected. All of this is a waste of time for the general. Joab takes three spears and stabs Absalom himself. Ten other soldiers also strike him until he's dead. They then throw his body into a pit in the middle of the forest and cover it with stone. Two runners bring word to King David about the lines. David hears of the victory, but he inquires of the first runner, is it well with the young man Absalom? And the runner doesn't know. He stands aside. The second runner comes and again praises the king for his victory and vindication, but the king waves it off. Is it well with the young man Absalom? The runner exclaims, may all your enemies be treated like that man has been treated. David is devastated. He wails, Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, why didn't I die instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And our lesson ends there. But that's not the end. Just as all the people heard about the king's desire to protect his son, word also gets out that the king is grieving inconsolably over his death. The victory of the soldiers is smothered by this cloud of anguish. Instead of victors, these soldiers are shamed. Joab chastises the king bitterly. How dare you treat your men so? You, they have fought valiantly, but to you it means nothing. You would be more pleased if Absalom were alive and all your men were dead. I tell you, you address your men tonight or not one will ever follow you again. Meanwhile, throughout the tribes of Israel, people are hiding. They had anointed Absalom as their king, but David has proven his superiority and claim to the throne. What are they going to do? They must call him back and restore him to the throne. There you have it. 
Intrigue and conspiracy, power given, power assumed, power challenged, power taken, power restored, violence and death, promises made, promises betrayed. This could be a story on television. Could be a story from our own newscasts. Fake news and all. But why has this story remained until today? Why is it retold and retold? Simply for the entertainment value, some thrills on a warm summer night? No, I don't think so. This is a story of a very flawed people. This is a story of a very dysfunctional family. This is a story of destructive ambition, a story of deep, inconsolable grief for a child who does not deserve such. We are such children. And it is our Father who cries over our lost condition. Oh, yes, we sin. We wage war against one another. Violence is part of our lives. We do harm to our neighbors. We do harm to ourselves. God has given us instructions for holy living. God has given directives for our protection. But like Joab and the generals who think we know better, we resist what we've been told and we go our own way. And the results of such, the results of what we do, is contrary to what God intended. Is there peace between nations? Is there peace within our government? Is creation protected? Are the hungry fed? Are refugees welcomed? Is all the abundant wealth that God has provided shared rightly among the people or hoarded by so few? God seeks the fullness of life for us. God seeks to hold back the forces of death. God grieves over us as a broken-hearted parent. God grieves the loss of every child, every life, not just the favorites, not just the deserving. God grieves even the most undeserving. We may rise up and attack God full on, yet God desires only our good. Read the story. Read the whole story. I don't get it when people think we have only an angry, spiteful, punitive father. I don't get it when people claim a violent God who will strike down those to whom we would be, we would be violent. People not like us. People who don't think like we do, worship like we do, act like we do. Are we so afraid to hear our father cry? David was helpless. Our father is not. David could not raise up his son Absalom. Our father can raise us again, and he will. No strategy of a powerful king would prevent the death of Absalom. No strategy of a powerful king will prevent the grief, the inconsolable grief over one, even one lost child. The forest claimed more victims than the sword. Perhaps all of us, conspirators and resistors and rebels and infiltrators, are really victims. Victims worthy of sympathy and compassion more than vengeance. Perhaps like Absalom, we hang caught, helplessly unable to defend ourselves. We are not the kings or queens we conspire to be. The mule we rode in on will go on without us. The great theologian Walter Brueggemann describes Absalom caught in the tree this way. Absalom is suspended between heaven and earth. Absalom is suspended between life and death. 
between the sentence of a rebel and the value of a son, between the severity of the king and the yearning of the father. He's no longer living because he is utterly vulnerable, but he's not dead. The soldier who finds Absalom hesitates. He does not do what he's trained to do. He's ambivalent, uncertain, doubting. He's a contrast to Joab who cannot abide such a waste of time and strikes the traitor as he's meant to be destroyed. Joab strikes not in the heat of battle, not in desperation or confusion. Joab strikes intentionally and deliberately, not once, not twice but three times. And those under Joab's command do as they have been led to do. Is David a father or a king? On that night and for many nights to come, he is a father, a grieving father, a wounded father, a loving, longing father. If only I had died instead of you. There are voices today who cry in the heat of battle something like this. Our God is an angry, a righteous God. Our God will not let disobedience go unpunished. Our God will strike and all who are judged will perish. Rise up and strike as our God would have you strike. Those voices do not rally me. They do not inspire me. They frighten me. I want to say there's another voice. There's a voice of weeping. There's a voice that says, if only I had died. I, instead of you. There's a voice that cries, my daughter, my son, forgive them. There's a voice that says, take and drink. This cup is a new covenant, a new direction, a new way of being, a new promise, a new judgment in my blood, not yours. No one else's. The church, the church is not an army that incites people to fight. The church is that body of people who cry out, listen. The king is grieving for his children. Amen. Thank you for listening to A Message of Grace. If you would like more information on our congregation and how we can be of service to you, please visit our website at www.gracelutheran.ca or check us out on Facebook. Peace be with you.